week's show uh, preview for UFC 282. But we're back now. Um, quite the card. A lot of a lot of fights to talk about. A lot of decisions to talk about. Um, before we get into that, we're going to plug our stuff real quick. You can follow me on Twitter at Brent West MMA. You can follow Brock on Twitter at MMA. And please give our podcast a follow um, at BKN underscore MMA on Twitter. Um, man. In a, in a card that was supposed to answer a lot of questions, it raised more than it answered, in my opinion. Yeah, especially in the light heavyweight division. Um, of course, if you saw the card at the weekend, um, just a lot of strange results, I'd say. A lot of strange performances, and of course, a lot of strange results from the judges' standpoint as well. Of course, we'll get into that. Um, but, uh, yeah, just kind of like what Brock said, that a lot of questions um, still remain after that fight, after those fights. Um, but we're going to go ahead and roll into it with this first fight on the early prelims. We had uh, Cameron Simon uh, beat Stephen Coslow. Um, Cameron Simon moves to 7-0 uh, while Stephen Coslow gets his first loss of his career. He's now down to 6-1. and one. Um, <coughs> Pretty good fight. Um, it ended in a TKO um, for Simon. He actually got off 105 strikes to Kozlo's uh, 20, so it was a little bit of a beatdown. Um, he actually got the stoppage in the last minute of the fight. So, um, good showing by him. Moving on to the next fight, we're going to kind of roll through these prelims um, just to get to the main card because there's so much to talk about. Um, we had TJ Brown submit Eric Silva. Eric Silva not to be mistaken for the Eric Silva in the early 2010s. This uh, Eric Silva is from, uh, looks like Venezuela. Um, this fight <clears throat> was another one, um, that saw a big mismatch in strikes with, uh, 82 for Brown to, uh, Silva's 32. Um, Brock, did you catch this fight? Uh, yes, I did. I, I, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to tune in and watch TJ Brown just because he's teammates with Bryce. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I thought TJ looked good. I know he's coming off a loss, so he wanted to make a statement. I thought that he did make a solid statement with the submission win. And he looked good on feet too. Yeah, he looked pretty well rounded. Um, he had uh, he could only his takedown percentage wasn't that great, but um, of course the takedown ended up ending the fight. Um, this fight also almost went the distance, but uh, in the last minute, fifteen seconds or so, Brown was able to get a triangle, um, an arm triangle, to uh, get the fight stopped. Um, but yeah, he moves to seventeen and nine his career, and uh, Silva moves to nine and two. Um, both these fighters have a lot to look forward to, I think. Um, in the featherweight division, there's a lot of people outside the top 15 that they could be matched up with. Um, do you have anything else to add to that fight? Uh, no, I'm excited to see where TJ goes from here. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I like downtown TJ Brown, so he looks solid. He had a total nine minutes control time, almost nine, almost 9.50 control time to Eric Silva's 2.35. So it, it, he, he dominated that fight, in my opinion, and then ended up winning with the arm triangle. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, moving on to the next fight, we had uh, Billy Corintillo versus, it might be Corintillo. I think it's Corintillo. Corintillo, exactly. and against Alexander Hernandez. Um, Alexander Hernandez, at one point, I thought was going to be the next champion at featherweight. Um, and then he ran into <clears throat> Cowboy, and things haven't been the same since. Um, I believe he was undefeated when he went into that fight with Cowboy. Was he like 11-0 so. at the time or something like that? He was at least undefeated in the UFC. He was undefeated in the UFC, for sure. Um but yeah, I thought he was winning. Uh, I thought he won round one in this fight. <clears throat> but then round two came around and um, he was put away um, with 30 seconds left to go in the round. He got stunned and could never recover. Um, what a comeback by Billy Q. For uh, sure. That dude, I've been watching him for a few years now. That dude can bang. I think he actually, maybe mistaken, but I want to say he fought Scott Holtzman. Maybe not Scott Holtzman, but he fought... Um, some white dude with, with orange hair. Maybe it wasn't Scott. But anyway, that fight was a banger. Um, I have to look at his lineup. I can tell you right now. But uh, but that fight was banging. Ever since that fight, I've been watching him. Um, but yeah, he, he lost to Shane Burgos last, which was a solid fight too. Um, a unanimous decision. And then, obviously, he bounces back against Alexander Hernandez. Yeah. So. He actually was. Alexander Hernandez was not um, undefeated. Um, when he ran into Donald Cerrone, he had one loss in his third fight of his career. I'm yeah. talking about Spike Carlisle. Spike Carlisle. This is the fight that okay. I watched, which was a solid one. Um, since <clears throat> running into Donald Cerrone, um, he has gone 
three and four in his last uh, seven fights. Um, so he's been middle of the road there. Um, in his last eight fights, he's gone three and five. Um, certainly not some, something I ever thought would happen in this man's career. I mean, he was on a tear. I mean, before he knocked out, or before he was knocked out by Don Cerrone, he had wins over Benil Dariush. Um, he knocked him out cold. I don't know if you remember that fight. No, I don't. I think, I think Alvin Hernandez might have been a, a replacement fight for Dariush because they would have been in opposite sides of the rankings at that point, I think. Um, but he knocked, he stiffened him, knocked him out cold, um, laid on the ground for a while, and then he followed up that with a win against Oliver Aubin Mercier. And, um, yeah, it's just been downhill ever since. He has losses to Drew Dober, Tiago Moises, Renato Moicano, and now Billy Quarantillo. Which, so. which those aren't terrible losses mm -mm. because Drew Dober's a solid fighter, yep. so is Moicano, Moicano, and then uh, Billy Q. But it's curious to see where he goes from here. I'm sure he gets a, a longer leash than most people. Cause I, yeah, I mean, he's still extremely talented, but... I mean, he, you know, he, he's so jacked, but he definitely looked like the smaller fighter in there compared to Billy. Um, yeah. So I wonder, since he's so stout, I wonder if he could make the cut to Bantamweight. He might be looking for a move there. Um, featherweight, Featherweight, 145. Well, he's at Featherweight right now. That fight was at Featherweight. Oh, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. That fight was at Featherweight. I'm sorry, I'm looking at Lightweight right here. But yeah, so he's fought at both divisions, so maybe he has already decided he made the move down to a lower uh, weight class to see how that worked out for him. It hasn't been great so far, so it is interesting to see where both these fighters go. One's on the up and up, and the other one's on a big skid right now. Um, so, I was pretty disappointed by Hernandez's performance. Um, I just, I, I don't know, just from his earlier performances in his career, I just expect so much more out of him. And I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, because he still has all the tangibles. But, I mean, maybe he should look into, you know, talking to a sports psychologist or, you know, I don't know what's going through his head or what, what's up in training or not. Or maybe he's got a nagging injury we don't know about. You gotta change something though. At this point, I mean, you've been in the game long enough. You're a solid fighter, like you said. You should fix something. Whether you go to psychologist or switch camps. He fights out of Factory X Muay Thai. Have you heard of that gym no, before? Never. Yeah, you know, maybe he could look at going to like a you know a Black Zillions or an American Top Team or something like that. Uh, yeah, you gotta or, switch uh, switch something up. Oh yeah, or Jackson Wink maybe. Um, because I, I still think he's he's got a lot left in the tank. He's only 30 years old. Um, but, yeah, certainly not the Alexander Hernandez we're used to seeing um, these last couple fights. Uh, moving on to the next uh, fight, we had <clears throat> we had Chris Curtis versus uh, – uh, how do you say his first name? Joaquin. Joaquin Buckley. Um, Buckley is best known for his, uh, his uh, spinning uh, – Back kick um, to the head of his opponent at Fight Island, actually, that made, like, it was knockout of the year, and then it made, like, a bunch of top ten plays and stuff like that. Um, but since then, it hasn't been, he hasn't been on a tear much. Um, so, he ended up, he knocked out Arroyo uh, with that spinning back kick, and then he had a split decision win and a doctor stoppage in his next fight. And his last two fights, he's lost, um, one against... Imabov, and then this time against Chris Curtis. Um, I thought Chris Curtis looked great in this fight. Um, I Because he picked his moments, basically. Um, was it a spinning? What was it? It was a spinning attack, where and then he caught him with a jab after he missed, right? Yes. Um, I can't remember was what it was. Was it an elbow? Maybe it was, it was a, a spinning spin back pass. Something, but it was unexpected. I did not see Chris Curtis shocked me in this fight. I, I, I picked Buckley, if I remember right. I would have picked Buckley, too. Um, um, <clears throat> but, but, yeah, I'm, go ahead. I was just, okay. I was shocked. Yeah, it just, it's. I think Buckley was winning the fight up until that point. Um, he had 50 strikes to uh, Chris Curtis's 36. Um, but it was kind of a Chris Weidman mistake, in a way, where... He tried to do a special move, kind of comparatively to when uh, Chris or uh, Chris Weidman uh, went for that uh, spinning uh, roundhouse kick to uh, Luke Rockhold, and it changed the whole fight. So, um, so yeah. yeah. So I think so, what happened was Buckley threw a kick, and uh, he it wasn't the spinning anything. No, and he got caught. He got jab, caught with a jab down the pipe, and then he got down his ass. Yeah. 
So tough, tough break for Buckley. He's still a solid fighter. I don't see him getting going anywhere from the UFC, obviously. But a big win for Chris Curtis, that's for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Chris Curtis moves to thirty and nine, while Buckley moves to fifteen and six. Um, Chris Curtis has been around for quite a while. Um, he's actually fought in the PFL. He's fought on the Contender Series before and didn't get picked up. Um, he's actually fought in the playoffs. Of, uh, he fought against Ray Cooper III and lost to him. Um, so he's been kind of a journeyman throughout his career. He has a solid record of 30-9. and nine. And His last um, his fights in the UFC, he's gone 4-1. and one. So um, definitely an impressive fighter for sure at the welterweight division. The, um, go ahead. The one he lost was he was short notice for uh, filling for Darren Till. Jack Manson. Yeah. Yep. And so, he only lost by decision. So. Yeah, so... And, uh, you know, the Joker is hard to game plan for, too. He's such a unique fighter in his style. Um, but, yeah, he's not much of a submission artist. He only has one submission in his career to uh, 17 knockouts over his 30 wins. So, um, yeah, this fight was entertaining for sure. Um, I definitely thought I'd see more out of Buckley. But, I mean, Chris Curtis came and did what he needed to do and put Buckley away. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I was shocked. Solid win, though, by him. Um, next fight, we had Shabazian versus, I can't pronounce it. It's uh, Lungiambula. Okay, wait, Edmund Shabazian, or Shabazian. Dolce Lungiambula. Okay. I tried to listen really hard when they were talking, <laughs> saying his name on the card. But, um, solid win by Shabazian. I think he mm-hmm. definitely needed that win. He was a top prospect when he came in. Yeah. And then he dropped, was it two or three? And then he lost to Brunson, I think. He lost uh, three in a row. So he started out 12-0 and and then lost three in a row. He lost to uh, Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson, and then uh, to uh, wow. Imavov. Okay. I can't. He's a, a French fighter. So, um, yeah, definitely. I, I, th- I think this was an opponent that they were feeding him to kind of get him back on the right track. Um, Shabazian is 6'2". While his opponent was um, five eight, so um, you know if you look at the body style of Lum Giambua, um, very stocky, very short fighter, um, but he's not a wrestler, so he's a striker. That usually, if you're a striker and you don't have the reach on your opponents, that doesn't really equal success. No, you're gonna case, especially at the height of the sport. Um, so this fight was ended by a knockout with about uh, 19 seconds to go in round two. Um, I thought it was a technical performance by Shabazian. Um, came out there, did what he needed to do. He was careful about it. Definitely looked like a more cautious fighter. Um, he finished with 60 strikes to Lum Giambula's 26. Um, Lum Giambula goes to 11-6, while Shabazian moves to 12-3. and um, So he's back in the win column after going on a three-fight skid, and uh, I think we can start to look for him to go up the ranks again here. After that fight, you know, I was looking forward to uh, the, the last two fights in the prelims, obviously. Mm-hmm. I look forward to all the fights, but these two were, I had them highlighted with uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus Chris Dawkins, which I, this went exactly how I thought it was going to go. Another Dawkins head hit the canvas. Um, this one was was way worse than yes. what we saw with Kyle earlier this month. Um, Rosenstruck looks like a heavyweight. Chris Dawkins looks like an overweight, light heavyweight, um, maybe even a middleweight. Um his body is not does not look like it's made for the heavyweight division. I mean, he looked pretty doughy. That's a lot coming for me, but still, um, he just didn't. It just didn't look didn't look ready for the moment. Um, Jarzinho, with his classic, you know, just kind of sprint, high paced style, just came in there and hit him with strikes and put him away. Um, I know Dawkins tried a few times in those first thirty seconds to uh, kind of get his balance and get his, you know his grip and tried to get back into the fight, but he threw one strike and then he absorbed 12 and he was knocked out. All 12 of those being significant strikes. Um, this is a big, big disappointment for, uh, <clears throat> for Dawkins who moves to 12 and six while Jarzinho moves to 13 and four. Um, I think we both probably saw this coming. I, I think there's a big gap in talent or at least definitely in punching power, um, between the two opponents, kind of an odd matchup if you ask me, but, I think they were trying to get uh, Jorginho back back on track. I don't know if he lost his last few, but I know that he he's been on a um, he, he was a big prospect coming in. He's right, done, done what they thought. So maybe that's what they were doing. 
Well, I think he had he had a, a rough time, a go at it. Of course, he was knocked out by Ngannou. That was his first loss of his career. He was knocked out in like the first ten seconds of that fight. Yeah, I remember that. And then um, he was he lost by unanimous decision to Cyril Gane or Gone or whatever his name is. And then he had a he knocked out Augusto Sakai. But then he lost a decision to Curtis Blades. He was knocked out by Alexander Volkanov or Volkov. So um, yeah, I think they were just looking to get him kind of in the win column, kind of keep you know him fresh in the division. Of course, he is thirty four. It seems like every great heavyweight is up there in age. I don't know what it is about that division, but um, yeah. he's still fighting out of American Top Team. So um, you know, I kind of expect him to get back into the mix of the top five. Um, after a win like that, it's such a stamp, and it only helps his brand, um, especially since it was one of the later fights in the prelim, so you know I have quite a bit of viewership before you go into the main card that you have to pay for. For sure. I think this is going to be like the new, I say new, he's been around, but Derek Lewis, you know Derek Lewis is kind of fading out. This dude kind of fights like Derek. I mean, he's a little more talented than Derek, in my opinion. He's not as good on the mic like Derek. No. Um, he's not American. He's from a... Suriname, Suriname, um, it's a country, it's a country in Africa, um, but I can't pronounce it correctly, so. Um, yeah, no, he had that weird nickname, Benny Boy or something is his nickname, I think. Yeah, so, but yeah, so this fight went exactly how I expected, um, didn't expect it to be that fast, <laughs> 23 seconds, but end result was what I expected. Um, yeah, Chris Dock is moving to 12 and 6, that's not an impressive, you know, resume, especially like, or at heavyweight. Um, he's lost his last three with all knockouts. Um, two in the first round, one in the second round. Um, he, he lost to a Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades, and Jarzina Rosenstrike. So, um, interesting to see where Chris Dawkins goes from here, but he's a small heavyweight. Um, he only weighs around the 240 mark. Um, I mean, I would think, you know, maybe he has a little bit of dieting, get down to 225, and then cut that last 20 to get to 205. Yeah, That's I was, what I would think. But, if I was him, I'd try to try to drop a weight class for sure. Yeah, but definitely needs to be some sort of change in the Dawkins camp. Um, both fighters are on a losing streak right now. So um, be interesting to see what they do uh, game plan-wise going forward. Um, but, yeah, just a really d disappointing month for the Dawkins brothers. For sure. Okay. I'm curious on your opinion. Do you think Raw Roses Jr., the next fight on the card, do you think he's going to be legit? I so I, I worry that it's going to be kind of a Sage Northcut effect where he's rushed in there so quickly, and he's going to meet uh, somebody who's going to punish him. Um, you know, we saw that with Sage, uh, with Brian Barberena, and then Mickey Gall, just some fighters with a little more experience, all around experience, and they were able to expose his weaknesses on on the ground. Um, but as far as Raul, I mean, he fought a fighter who was 10 and 6 coming into the fight, um, Jay Perrin, <clears throat> who now moves to 10 and 7, um, and he hasn't um, he hasn't won a fight in the UFC. Uh, his last win came in a division outside the UFC. He's 0 and 3 in the UFC, um, and of course, this was his worst loss. Um, these other losses are just unanimous decisions. But Raul went in there and did what he was supposed to do. He looked. Far, far the better fighter in this fight. I know Jay was talking a lot of, a lot of ish before the fight. You know, saying when they close that cage, none of these fans can help you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you, essentially. And you know, Raul did what he had to do, and I think he's good. I think he's really good for the brand because he speaks fluent English and Spanish. I think he moved here when he was about eight years old, or something like that. Yeah, his first MMA fight when he was eight years old. Too. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this kid, this kid's born to fight. Um, but I, I, just for his sake, I hope they take this so slow. He's 18. He was 17 on Dana White Contender Series. He just turned 18. Today, and I so. just, I really worry about the the miles that you can put on a, a young body and what that return looks like when the fighter's in their mid 30s. If they don't take this dude slow, he's going to end up like Chase Cooper. Yeah. No hands. All you can do is wrestle. He's going to get pieced up and manhandled by real men. Now, in fairness to that, I do think he's a much more talented fighter than Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper is kind of a submission guy. Mm -hmm. One of the worst boxers in UFC oh right now. And I like Chase Hooper, but it is what it is. Spade's a spade. But Pretty positive. One of us could take him on the feet 
I think you could. I don't. I think Chase Hooper would piece me up, and I would have to eat my words. But um, yeah, I mean, he lived up to the hype. But I mean, this isn't this isn't something that you can tell. This is not a fight that you can tell a lot about uh, a fighter's longevity or you know what their cap is or what their potential is. No, solid debut. Obviously, can't ask for a more better debut. I mean, round one finish. My goodness, kid. I mean. I'm 20. I'm about to turn 27, and he's 18, and he's in there talking about, "I want the belt. I want the belt." I'm like, "Dude, just enjoy it. Why? Like, like, you do not want to go fight killers right now, Phantom Weight." Dude, you're telling me this dude would hang in with Cheeto? This dude's not even Cheeto Vera. Let's talk about Corey Sanhagen. Corey Sanhagen would murder him. Yeah, for sure. Sean O'Malley would murder him. Yeah, for sure. We just don't. He's not. He's not ready for that. Um. But honestly, we haven't seen enough of him to know if he's ready for anything. He could he could be the best fighter at Bantamweight right now. I have no idea because he's only fought scrubs, really. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to Jake Wren, but, I mean, he landed four strikes and was taken down and controlled for two minutes <clears> before <throat> he was submitted. Um, you know, quite the performance for a lot of smack. You were talking before the fight. But, yeah, uh, Raul moves to uh, 7-0. and Jake Wren falls to 10-7, and I think. Jay Perrin's probably going to get cut from the UFC after this. Um, but maybe he got a little bit of a payday fighting this 18-year-old. I doubt it, yeah. but maybe. You'd hope so. But yeah, I agree with you. I think he's done in the UFC. Um, moving on to the main card. Um, the first two fights were the ones that I was looking forward to the most, just because I'm a fan of Bryce Mitchell, a fan of Darren Till. So let's talk about the, the Bryce Mitchell-Ilya Tapoya fight. So first off, I think the UFC set this up. This fight sucked. Yes. I think the UFC set this up for Tapoya to win, Patty to win, and they won it in the fight. But after this, I'm not so sure. Um, I think Tapoya would... I think he would beat the living hell out of Patty Pimblett. Oh, I right agree. Now. I agree. Um, you know, I we, we both knew coming into this that Bryce would, would definitely be at a disadvantage on the feet. But after seeing the wrestling and the takedown defense from Tapoya... I mean, Bryce had nothing for him. Um, I'm surprised he landed as many strikes as he is. The strikes were a lot closer than I thought they would be, but it was 53 to 46. Um, but there's just there was definitely a different class of strikes um, considering the significant strikes. Even the significant strikes are kind of similar um, on the fight stats, but uh, I don't think Bryce ever had to pour in any type of trouble or any even landed a significant strike that... Would cost Tapuria to change his game plan of any any kind. No, from the from the beginning of the fight, when Bryce came out and threw the, some spinning leg kick and didn't even get anywhere near to connecting, I was like, "Oh snap, this could be bad." Well, then you could tell the different. There's a different pop on Elias' punches. Like you could hear him. You could see Bryce's pain when he got hit. He didn't want to be there. Then that leg kick is what really was like gave me it's like. It showed him, like, Bryce when he stand up. That first leg he dropped. Yeah, Bryce, uh, Bryce realized very quickly that um, the power was was definitely on Taporia's side. Um, and it, it even seemed like to me that Bryce couldn't even get close enough to set up a good takedown. Uh, he tried several times on the cage. He tried for several single legs that were just haphazard attempts because he, he looked so gassed. Now, getting hit... You can have you can have an engine all you want in training, but it's, when you get knocked in the face a few times, I mean your cardio can go out the window. Now speaking of his cardio, he did say on Instagram and Twitter that you know that he kind of just had excuses in my opinion. He said that you know he had the flu and that his uh, cardio game was zapped. I've never seen him so zapped of energy in the octagon before, so maybe there is some truth to that. But still, he even said that. You know, the next time he takes a fight, he'll be at 100%. But he also stated that he had the flu a week before the fight. I mean... you got to pass the doctor, uh, like, the clearance to fight, which I know that, that probably wouldn't hold you back, but... Yeah, but it's not it, it's not a hyperextended knee or, you know, a broken foot or anything like that. I, I, I mean, I feel like adrenaline kind of overcomes a lot of those, you know, common cold symptoms and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm not in the cage. And I'm certainly not getting punched in the face by Elliot Zaporia either. Yeah, I don't want to say nothing bad about Bryce. Um, 
I'm please big, come on our podcast. Yeah, please, bro, God. We, big fans. Big fans. I will pay you so much money that um, I don't have. No, for real, big fans. We've reached out to your uh, team, so maybe you'll come on. But big fans, we'd love to talk to you about all your fights, but he did not look like himself, like you said. Like, so obviously the flu had something to do with it. I've, I mean, I've tried to, I can't work out when I'm sick, obviously, because I can't go. So I, I know that probably has to affect somewhat. But then again, it makes me question, because I've been seeing recently, I know he had a new girlfriend. I noticed that. I noticed he's been going to these dinners with her. Dude, he's never coming on our podcast now. No, yeah, no, probably, he's probably, never probably not. Podcast. Probably not. But dude, I mean, you do you. You do what you want, Bryce. But uh, we'll send you some, some good cheese your way if you want to come on the podcast. But I would agree with you, though. It just kind of seemed like he wasn't all there. The focus wasn't there. I, I I was expecting so much more. You know, the promo videos, I mean, those they just say whatever on those. But he said, I will die before I quit. Well, sir, you tapped. I mean, that's the biggest indicator of a quit right there. Now, I'm not saying you got to show your toughness and get choked unconscious. Uh, but, I mean, if you want to promote your brand and you're so tough, your country boy's up, and you go out there and just get manhandled. I mean, he was one for nine on takedowns, and the one takedown he got, I don't think he was on the ground, but maybe 15 seconds. And it was at the end of round one, was it not? Yeah, it was. And Something like that. I, I mean, think I think at the end of the day, I think, one, I think he honestly, I think the flu had something to do with it, if he, if he really had it. Number two, I think Ilya's just a better better well-rounded fighter on the ground and on the feet. I think he's a different level. He's a different level than Bryce Mitchell. I think it, every minute of that fight, I don't think Taporia was ever in trouble. No. Or I didn't even think the... I never thought the exchanges with from Bryce were ever going to put Taporia in danger. You know, we kind of touched on this um, when we were talking about our top 10 fights to look forward to the, um, for the rest of 2022. Um, Bryce has never had a knockout in his career. It's his, All of his finishes have been by submission. When, when I saw that he couldn't get him down, I was like, this is going to be a long fight. I remember Tate's in the group chat. If you don't get him down, he's about to get sparked. And he did. Um, and I think it says a lot for Taporia to kind of beat Bryce at his own game and finish the fight with a triangle choke, um, arm triangle. So, I mean, moving over to his opponent, I mean, Ilya Taporia, I mean, that guy looks like an absolute beast. 13-0. Um I think he had back. I'm pretty positive he had beef with Patty before this. He something he slapped him or something when he went to Liverpool. I think they were throwing garbage at each other. Too, water bottles or something. Or something. Like that. But I would like to see that fight. I know that the UFC is not going to make it because they're going to protect Patty. But yeah, we saw that on full display. Yeah, full display. But anyway, real quick, Bryce, big fan. I know you get back in the win column. Um, didn't mean to rag on you so much there. So, heal please up. come on our podcast, please. please. Yeah, please come on our podcast, big fans. Please, dude, we're drowning. We make no money. We do not want to work for a living, please. please <laughs> the, earth, the earth is flat, bro. We'll talk about that. Dude, the earth is so flat. <laughs> I swear. Uh, um, moving on to uh, the, the main fight that I was looking forward to. Um, Darren Till versus Driscus Duplis. Duplessis? Du, Duplessis. Duplessis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I think the last S is silent. Okay. Okay, well, this fight, I'm a big fan of Darren Till. He's been struggling lately, as you, as you know. I saw that he switched camps before this fight. Not really switched camps, but went training. So I was like, all right, he's going to come out. But then, a telltale, you know, he got taken down from the jump, round one. Spent most of his time, I think all the time on the ground round one. He got up like and had a few good um, exchanges with Drickus. Um, I, think, I think a lot of times... Especially when it's a fan favorite, the crowd will get a lot louder when the fighter makes any type of positive movement in the fight. Um, so I do think some of his last-minute success in the first round is kind of blown out of proportion with the crowd noise. Um, I actually had the first round as a 10-8 um, yeah, myself. Um, he was all over him. In fact, I, he was all over him for at least four minutes of the first round, um, and it was quick. And I think there was times where. The referee was was thinking about stopping the fight in the first round. Luckily, Darren was able to get out and get off a few um, a few uh, combos. But then Duplessis had him back on the ground in the end of the first round. Now the second round was a different story. Darren Till had a lot more success in that round. In fact, I think he won the round. But I had it ten eight to a ten nine, so I still had Duplessis ahead. Um, and it really came down to what does Darren Till always lacking, and it's the wrestling. 
Yes, no, for sure. He, he likes on the wrestling. I think he's maybe too small. Uh, he doesn't think so himself. I remember he got asked that this week. But I heard he tore his ACL at the end of the second round when they were rolling using that leg block. Yeah, that could be. Because he looked, he he looked flat. He third. looks flat. And third. Yeah, you're right. So that's what, and he told Bruce Buffer that walking out of the cage, which I don't know. I haven't heard anything after. So he may have just been on one of those emotional, it, I don't know. But I think he's torn his ACL before, so I think he, he, I mean, I've torn my ACL. I tore my ACL when I was 12 years old. So, I mean, that's a feeling you don't forget. And if it happens again, I, I feel like you know. you know your body. Yeah, and he looked, <coughs> he looked different from round two to round three. So not he, just looked, he also looked zapped. He, yeah. And I thought both fighters were pretty zapped. But, um, you know, Duke, uh, Dr- Drickus came out there and, you know, put him, put him away about midway through the round and um, finished him with a neck crank. And, and he slammed just, him. Slammed he, him. He slammed, it just looked. Um, as soon as Darren got taken down, he gave up his back, and I think the fight was over within, like, 20 seconds of being on the ground. No, I believe so, too. Um, I think Drickus will be top 10 after this fight. Now, concerning Till, Dana went over and mentioned that that was fight of the night. I don't know if you saw that. They got fight of the night. They got the bonus. I was a little shocked by that, but they did. Um, I guess there was a lot of one-way victories this fight. Yeah. And, and the last two fights were garbage, so. Somebody mentioned what Till's future looked like, and he's like, that was fight of the night. He just said if he went out there and got blown out in round one like I thought was going to happen, we wouldn't know. But he, I think he's going to keep Till around from the way he was talking. Yeah, Darren's not going anywhere. I mean, he's, he's he falls to 18-5. and five. I mean, that's not a bad record at all. We've seen him beat some of the best competition in UFC with, you know, Wonder Boy, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, um, and a few other fighters um, to add to his resume. But, I mean, Drakus just, to me, just looked like a much more well-rounded fighter. I mean, I don't think he was getting starched in the exchanges either, to be honest. I know he was in trouble a little bit there, and I think it's mostly because his gas tank was low. So that might be something he wants to work on in the future. Um, But certainly, I mean, I just... I just feel like it was a well-rounded performance from him. With the 10-8 and then getting the finish in the round three. Um, you know, big, big, big-time win for him to move up in the middleweight division. I think Darren Till was 10, so he moves into that 10 spot. Um, so he'll be looking to get, you know, maybe a couple more fights, a couple more wins, and maybe look at getting a title fight. But uh, he moves to 18-2, and two, and like I said before, Darren moves to 18-5. What were you about to say? I think that Drinkus next move would probably be Vittori. Somebody like that, Vittori. I think that I don't think he's ready for Marvin Vittori, um, but I mean it makes sense. Or the winner of Strickland Cannonier, maybe. I think. Or the loser. I mean. I would say the loser, the loser of Cannonier Strickland. Uh, of course, we'll cover that later this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean this fight was just a big bummer. I'm hearing Till talk about it on uh, his Instagram or his Twitter afterwards, just talking about like I don't know. I'm kind of lost here. I don't. I don't know what is going on. I don't know if it's a mental. Of course, he's touched heavily. You know, both the British fighters, both the English fighters have talked. Him and Patty have talked on. You know what? You know, psychologically, what's going through their minds of you know themselves and people in their lives. But um, it's just kind of a somber, somber post by Darren Till. He says he doesn't want to quit. He, he wants to continue to fight, but man, it's just quite a setback for him. Yeah, he said he's going to take some time off and, and reflect, but he said he loves to fight, so we'll hopefully we'll see him back. And I don't know what his purse was um, that he took, but, I mean, he's a very popular fighter. He's extremely popular in the UK, um, fan favorite throughout the world, so I would imagine he gets paid handsomely, but... That's um, bonus that he got. That's so. true, the extra 50 grand that he got, but I, I would just, I would say that's probably a smart decision just to kind of... Just to kind of, you know, take some time off. His last win was against Kelvin Gaslam in 2019. Um, of course, big fight before that. He was knocked out cold in Liverpool against Jorge Masvidal. Um, of course, that set those two fighters on completely different trajectories after that. Um, Masvidal went on to be fighter of the year in 2019. So, um, But uh, his last three fights have, have all been disappointments. I mean, he lost a unanimous decision to Robert Whitaker in a fight that I thought he showed a lot of heart. He was submitted by Derek Brunson. That's a very disappointing result for him. And then the most disappointing would be this fight against Drickus, um, you know, being submitted in the last round of that fight. And what was a war? I mean, he took a lot of punishment to even get to the third round. So, um, 
Drickus had 170 strikes to uh, Darren's 58. Um, I guess I'm kind of with Darren. I'm kind of lost for words. Uh, this is not where any of us thought his career would be four years ago. Um, you know, we thought the Tyron Woodley fight was a setback, but we didn't realize how big of a setback <laughs> no. this was going to be. So, and actually, if you look at his, I was just looking at the last five, but since he lost to Tyron Woodley, he has gone, um, he's gone one and five in his last six yeah. after, after being undefeated. So. Yeah, I missed the uh, Sweet Caroline confident walkout Darren Till come out. Yeah, Conor McGregor-esque. Yeah. Um, the, that's gone. Yeah. That's gone. So, hopefully we'll see him back at some point. Um, it's just just a disappointing um, disappointing fight for him. Obviously, you can tell we're Darren Till fans by the tone that we're discussing this fight. Um, but, I mean, Drickus went out there and did the damn thing, and he, he looked good doing it. Um, you know, besides the few times where he looked like he was having cardio issues, I think at the end of round one in his corner, he was breathing real heavy. But, I mean, he just laid on top of a man and landed probably 70 strikes in that round alone. Um, but, anyway, you know, he went six for six on his takedowns. So, there's zero takedown defense from uh, Darren. That's just disappointing. Yeah, especially after training with Hamza. I figured he would. Yeah, I think that's what you were talking about um, before we really got into the, the meat of this fight. Um, you know, he had made some changes to his camp. He had some training partners. One of the best fighters in the UFC, um, Hamzat Jemayev, uh, they're good friends. But you had thought maybe he had improved his wrestling just some, especially his takedown defense. Well, there was none of that. No. It definitely didn't look like it paid off. No, very disappointing. Um, moving into the next fight, we had Santiago Pontanibio. Taking on short notice, Alex Morano, uh, since Robbie Lawler could not fight. I think you got to feel bad for Alex Morano in this fight, um, just because I think he was definitely in contention of winning that fight up until the finish. And I think even by Ponzinibbio's reaction to the finish, you could tell that he was desperate for a finish. I think he had to get a finish because I thought Morano was going to win 20 on 28. Yeah, um, no. And. Props to Murano for bringing in on short notice. That was a solid fight. I don't know how that one didn't win fight or not, to be honest, because that was a solid fight. Um, My other fans were booing yeah. throughout it. I mean, I guess I can, you know, thinking about through all the fights, I think the card was just kind of a bummer just for the different things that we saw, but I could definitely understand Dana's decision to give Till and Duplessis, Duplessis the, uh, the fight of the night, kind of weak one, but nonetheless, they got it. I'm happy for those guys, but you know, getting back to this fight, um, I thought Murano uh, won rounds one, and I think he was winning round three as well. But Ponzinibbio, always dangerous on the feet, and he was able to catch him with a pretty good combination and, you know, sit him on the ground and was able to get the stoppage. It was a huge win for Ponzinibbio, um, who, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, was on a two-fight uh, skid against Jeff. He lost in 2021 to Jeff Nelly. He lost earlier this year to Michelle Perea. Herrera, um, by, both by split decisions. So just a lot of really frustrating things. I think he's also had some fights canceled. Yeah, I think so, well. too. Uh, I feel for Morano as well. He, I mean, he's, he put his win streak on the line. He's on a four-fight win streak um, coming into this. and uh, I think he, he, him and his team were thanked by Dana White at the end of this, so maybe he would slit some okay, an extra so. check after that. Because he took this fight on, what, a week's notice? Yeah, Is something that what like it was? that. And yeah. uh, his win streak started back in 2021. Against Cowboy uh, Cerrone, so and really, that's not. It's. I'm glad Morano went in there. He had a good showing, in my opinion, and he, he was able to get paid. Um, but it's not fair for either fighter, really, because Morano's not been preparing for Ponzinibbio, and Ponzinibbio's not been preparing for a fighter like Morano. He's preparing. He was preparing for a brawler, and I think he had a more technical striker and someone who's a little better on the ground and Morano. Um, but he was able to go out there and, uh, you know, get the. Uh, get the knockout in the third round. So. Moving on to the most, probably, I'd say most probably, um, argue. I mean, it was the worst decision of yes, the night. It, yes, it was, that's what I'm trying to say. I had, um, we had Patty Pimblett uh, versus Jared Gordon. Uh, obviously, all the hype is behind Patty Pimblett. He was the most, he was probably, it was not even probably, he was the, he was the most popular fighter on the card. Um, and I thought he got beat every round. 
Oh, dude. There's I think the second round was maybe in, in most question for me, giving it to Patty, but I had I had Jared Gordon winning all three rounds with second be, with the second round being the closest. Um, in the third round, he, he dominated. Like uh, Dana said something about that game plan was terrible. It's like, dude, he controlled the whole time. I think that's just Dana trying to protect his product. Um, Jared Gordon's not a sale. Uh, Patty Pimblett is a huge sale. I, I think it's very disrespectful to how Dana White has handled this. Um has handled this situation. I thought the judging was absolutely atrocious. I think if any judge gave that fight to Patty Pimblett, they should be, you know, kind of looked at by the commission. What you know what else sucks is that I think they did a PFL fight the night before. That's what but I was they're not to, across the country. That's what I was about to say. Douglas Doug Crosby uh, wrote his name down. Ref like you said, he ref the PFL the night before judged it. You mean he judged it, sorry. Yeah. Judged it the night before in another country, and they pointed out a specific fight where he was the only judge that scored it for the opposing fighter, and it was obvious, in PFL. Well, then he flies Friday night, gets Saturday, and scores it. He obviously, he wasn't the only one who scored it for Patty on this one, because all three judges did, which was shocking, but he was one of the ones that scored it for Patty. So, makes you wonder, like, there, I know there's not a shortage on judges. Like, you shouldn't have to be flying them all over. So, like, is it, part of me is thinking, surely the UFC ain't bringing these certain judges in for padding, just because they know that they'll pick somebody, because like, like, Erewhani was saying that Doug would lean towards fighters that were more favored in the, in the, um, sort of, crowd's eyes, maybe, yeah, or organization. Or that organization. organization. So, well, yeah. Kind of what I said before, I can't believe any judge would score that for Patty Pimblett. Um, if you look at the stats, and stats don't always tell um, the story of the fight, but uh, I think they line up perfectly with how the fight went. In this case, he had a, Gordon had 100 strikes to Patty's 97, so the striking was fairly even. But he had three takedowns to Patty's zero, and he had six minutes and 28 seconds of control time. Um, to Patty's 35 seconds. Yeah. It, it just, I just think it's an atrocious decision. Um you know, I, there's no proof that would ever turn up that would show that the UFC was making favorable moves to help Patty's career. But, I mean, it certainly doesn't look good after you just bury James Krause, who was accused of uh, fixing fights. And then we see a fight like this that just raises so many eyebrows. And then you have the president of the company just defending Patty and, and crushing Jordan's uh, Gordon's uh, game plan. And, I, I don't I don't, I just think it's so I just think it sucks I just uh, it just really rubbed me the wrong way that Dana was saying that that like basically saying that you didn't deserve to win the fight because of what you did in the third round I mean I think the third round was Jared Gordon's best round oh, yeah, in my opinion I so, so I, I just I don't understand it it doesn't sit well with me it's not a good look um, and then Patty obviously comes out there and says oh, I obviously won that fight it's not even close you know you can you know. Kiss, kiss my ass, essentially. If kiss you, me if you arse. Just kiss me arse if you uh, disagree with me. Um, this fight was just a real bummer. I mean, they were booing George, uh, Gordon heavily. Jared, I keep, pronoun- I keep combining his name. They, keep, they were booing Jared Gordon heavily when he was coming out, which is something common that you see when a fighter's fight. His opponent's a, a, a popular fighter, especially one like Patty Pimblett. Um, and when they, they read the judges' decisions, they were booing Patty. So I think that says a lot. I don't think there was many people in that building who thought um, that Patty had won that fight, but the three people that mattered all scored it for Patty. And I just think it's an atrocious decision, um, and it was kind of just the appetizer for what we were about to see. But, um, man, I, I just feel for Jared Gordon. I thought he had probably one of the performances of his career in this fight and one that really would have bolstered his career, but instead he doesn't get a win bonus and he falls to 19 and six while Patty moves to 20 and three. Yeah. I think another big, big takeaway for me in this fight. Um, I mean, on this fight card was the lack of, uh, the lack of, what am I trying to say? Not discipline, but focus, lack of focus that a lot of these younger fighters have. Patty didn't look, he was focused or else he would have handled Jared Gordon. I know that was supposed to be his toughest test, but, all week he was in, in the media talking about Erewhani, bashing Erewhani, feeling like he was on fight week. 
eat. I don't know if you saw that video where he ate uh, fried mac and cheeseburger for Dana's uh, Epic Friday or whatever thing. So he was like breaking all the normal fights routines. And then you see that again with Bryce Mitchell, as we talked about earlier. He looked, he looked unfocused coming in. And then I, I picked Buckley. I figured he would be focused. And I mean, he did well, but then he got caught. So I don't know. I wonder where these fighters' focuses are, but that's kind of off topic. But moving in. Yeah, kind of just what we were talking about earlier. Um, just when these fighters are given so much popularity, they're given so many opportunities for media appearances or sponsorships or everything else that takes away from your time in the gym. Um, another thing that Paddy's kind of known for is how much he balloons up in between fights. I mean, it looks like he puts on 50 pounds, and then he's able to get back down to lightweight. Um I just, I just really hate it. I, I hate it for Jared Gordon. Um, it's not a good look for Patty. I mean, at the end of the day, two years from now, we won't be thinking about this fight, and we'll just, it'll, he'll just be a win on his on his record. But but I don't know if it's gonna matter to you. I don't see him being a champ. I really don't see Patty being champ because they want to compare him to McGregor. But dude, McGregor didn't blow up in between fights. He wasn't unfocused. Yeah, he talked trash, but he backed it up. Like I don't, I'd hate to bring McGregor in. Yeah, up until he was, you know. Almost a billionaire. We yes. really didn't see him falter in any way. No, not until he, like you said, made all that money, won the belts, then went off. Then when he came back, he really wasn't the same. But when he was young and hungry, you didn't see this man taking shortcuts. And we still, we still, we still love Patty, but it, you know, it, this this fight just leaves a sour taste in our mouths. And I think I'm more upset with the commissions and how that was allowed for that judge to uh, do one show that went until midnight. And then fly to Vegas overnight and judge another fight that was, you know, judge a fight in general, but also one that was way late in the in the, in the night. And I just none of it makes sense to me um, that that should never be allowed in any commission. Um, the UFC shouldn't allow that. Um, but again, that kind of goes to the theories that they're trying to protect Patty, which is which is fight fixing in a way. And we'll see. It's not in a way. It is fight fixing, but and we'll see how much they're protecting Patty. With his next fight, because if he don't fight Ilya, which is the game plan, I think the UFC wanted it at first, then they're very, very much protecting him. But anyway, moving into the probably most controversial fight on the court, um, we had Jan Blachowicz. Blachowicz. I always call him Blachowicz. Blachowicz. All right, versus Magomed Ankalaev. Ankalaev. Um, I picked Magomed to win this fight. Um, I think you did as well. I did. Um, I, I, I was very high on Magomed. I think he is the best 205er in the world right now. I don't think my idea of that shakes at all from this fight. I had him winning uh, four rounds. I had Jan winning the second round. Um, if you look at the stats on this, it's hard for me to imagine how this could be, let alone a decision, but even even a fight that was close. A lot. I know on Verdict, um, they showed the, the scores um, from all their users, but um, it was a uh, 48-47 throughout the nation um, in favor of Magomed. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I um, I actually watched the first three rounds and ended up falling asleep. So when I fell asleep, my viewpoint of the fight was I thought Jan was doing well. I thought I honestly thought he won round one and two. I know you had it scored differently. Um, well, it was it was close. Well, yeah. That and that's and that's fine. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because the rounds that were viewed as Yan's wins were rounds one and two. Okay. So maybe I was wrong with giving that to Uncle Ivan. Well, no, I was like I said, I was half asleep watching this. Um, so when I fell asleep, I was like, all right, Yan has it so far, but Magomed was starting to come back. And then I think in the third, at the end of the third round, is when he got that takedown, and the momentum kind of shifted. Well, I think I think a good way to kind of look at this fight, and uh, when there's such volume of strikes, I, I think you can obviously tell how a fight should have gone. Magomed landed 191 strikes to uh, Jan's 79. He had 11 minutes 20 seconds control time to Jan zero. He had two takedowns to Jan zero. Um, he had more strikes to the body, the head, and the legs. Well, actually, no, Jan had more strikes to the legs, but. Yeah, I I do feel for Magomed. Um, it just the fight doesn't make any sense how you could score it any other way but to him, in my opinion. Like I said, I had it four one. Uh, the vast majority of people 
in the country had it 3-2 to uh, Magomed. Um, and I think Dana was once again disrespectful to the fighters in the in the post show. Immediately is making another interim belt for uh, Jamal Jamal Hill and then uh, Glover. Glover to share him. Um, I just think it's such a disservice to Magomed. Especially after did you see his comments that the fight was boring and that there was like they did not earn like that their keep or whatever and then. He talks. Some, he talks a big game to have never stepped inside an octagon. Exactly. I thought that fight was. I, I think Dana's had some. There's some uh, amateur boxing fights before. Maybe he's had it one or two professional. I don't know that for sure. But I mean, he was like, I think Magomed's mad at the UFC right now. That's tough. Like, dude. Like, he just went in there and had a five round war against a former champion, a good former champion. And I'd like to see you go in there and just go boss the wall and knock out your opponent against someone the caliber of Jan. And, I, you know, Damon's criticized quite a lot, and I think he, he lived up to why he's criticized in the post-fight uh, interviews. So. Yeah, and Jan even said in the, uh, in the cage that he didn't lose this fight. or he didn't win this fight, but he don't think he lost it. But they should give the belt to Mogman. Um which is a weird comment, but... He said, I don't know if I lost this fight, but I definitely didn't win it. Yes. Okay, you lost. Th- those are the two outcomes, in my opinion. Yeah. You know you didn't win the fight, you didn't tie. And then he said, get the belt in my man. That's, it. That's all you need to know. And Jan's a, a, a guy full of class. Um, we love Jan uh, Blachowicz, but I just I really feel for Magomed, man. So, um, I'd like to see where he is on his contract, because I mean, he could just get... He could just get tired of it and go to one or maybe go back to KSW or yeah, something like I that. Yeah, I know the comment you were talking about, but then later on, his translator came out and said he mistranslated it and he said he's tired of these, he's not fighting, is it Vegas? Yeah. Vegas because he's tired of these judges. Like, the judges are terrible. So I don't know if maybe he did say that. I don't know what he said because obviously we can't speak his language. But well, I mean, it's the first controversial decision, so I don't know what he's talking about being tired of them. Yeah. I mean, the only other, he's only had one loss in his career and it was by submission to even go to the judge's scorecard. Yeah, so I don't know what he's been talking about. However, um, like I said, I thought Nago Med one. I went back and rewatched it. Um, so lots of questions were raised. First off, how are you going to book a title fight when Magomed hasn't even left the cage yet. I don't know if you saw that Jamal said that he got the phone call before they were even out of the cage. And yeah. He, so, um, if another, I wrote down some questions that were raised. We probably already hit these. Um, obviously, who won the main event, we both agreed that Magomed won it. Um, what, what what happens to Magomed now? I think he's sitting on the sidelines. Waiting for the winner I mean, I think Yuri's going to be out for quite some time, so maybe he gets the winner of Glover and uh, Hill. I think Glover wins that fight. I, I don't. I don't see Hill. I don't think he's ready for a title fight anyway. No. What about Anthony Smith? Where does he come in? I know he's oh, kind of in there, kind of not. I know he got beat by. Well, Hill. you tell me this. You just fought an interim belt. You should have won. Worldwide, you're viewed as the winner of that fight. The judges didn't see it that way. Um, and then, <clears throat> in fact, didn't one judge score for Jan? Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. That's a ridiculous. Anyway. Anyway. Um, you just fought for the belt. It was unfairly taken away from you. Why would you... Why? Why would you risk your title shot and fight a dangerous fighter like Anthony Smith? Don't get me wrong. I think he destroys Anthony Smith, but... I mean, when you step into the cage, anything can happen. I just wouldn't. I, I would sit. Yeah, I would sit no. and wait. I think Jan is viewed as the loser. I think he takes a loser's momentum after this. And I think he should fight Anthony Smith, in my opinion. I don't think they fought before. No, I don't think so either. But what I'm afraid is going to happen to Mogaman, not that he's not good, but you see the same thing with Dominic Reyes. When he beat John Jones, in my opinion, they didn't even go, I know they. it's not the same because this was a draw. That was a clear well no. I mean, I thought he won that fight, but they gave it to Yeah, draw or loss. I mean, I thought I, I scored it three rounds to two for Reyes, and I scored this one four to one for Ankalaev, and they're left with bitter taste in their mouth after that. No belt that should have been theirs. But I hope he doesn't follow in the same footsteps as Reyes and lose three fights in a row. 
but I doubt that happens to him. So, I have this bias to where I think that Dagestani fighters are so mentally tough that I, I wouldn't see that happening because I think Reyes had some some psychological issues. There's no reason he should have went on the skid that he went on, but that's neither here nor there. But um, if I'm Akalaev, I sit and I fight the winner of Glover and Hill. That's what I do. And if I'm Jan, I'm looking for another fight in the top ten. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, do you think the judging is going to – another question was, do you think they'll change judges after this weekend? Like, they'll – Well, the UFC is not supposed to pick judges. It's, it's all on the commission. And we, what we've seen from the Nevada State Athletic Commission time and time again is stubbornness. I don't think they change anything. I don't think there's any type of change after this at all. I think they keep hiring the same judges they've hired and, and continuing the same practices they've had before. I mean, we, we can talk all we want about one judge was in the opposite – side of the country the night before, but he wasn't the only, he, he was, he scored the exact same as the other two judges, so it's not just that issue right there, I, I don't see, I don't see any change coming, this is something we commonly see with that, with fighting commissions and athletic commissions, um, any type of combat sport, you will see atrocious decision after atrocious decision by so-called experts, and I just, I just, I just hate it, I mean, unless we have some fighters, some people have actually been in the cage, go through the process to become certified judges. I don't think we'll see any changes. I think we'll, every once in a blue moon we'll see some terrible decisions. Now on this card, we had two right back-to-back. But, no, I see zero change coming from this, and I think we'll just continue and we'll be complaining in years to come about why are these judges so bad, something needs to change, and nothing will ever change. Do you think they'll ever go to open scoring where they show in between rounds? You know, I, know they I don't see the UFC doing that because... I don't think that would. I don't think that type of scoring would have helped the Patty Jared Gordon fight. No, and one of the big things that a lot of fighters have against open scoring is that it's not a game. People, if they don't want point fights, they don't want people to like shy away. Yeah, if you're up, if you're up two zero, do you just sit back and don't get knocked out, or do you think you're you think it's tied one one? You go out there for broke. I think it is a competition killer, like you were saying. I think any fight that goes into the third round and one opponent's up 2-0, I don't think there's any killer instinct in that opponent. I think they're taking off around, they're pulling a Jose Aldo, and they're sitting until they win the decision. Um, so, no, I, I don't see that happening. What is the promotion that had that? Was it World Series of Fighting that had that? I can't remember, but I know. There was one There was one major promotion that had it at one point. I don't think they have it anymore. But, but yeah, I think it's a very... Like you said, fight killer. I mean, somebody can easily sit if they're up to. I mean, if I'm up to and up, why risk it? Like, why risk getting knocked out? Just and I think if you show live scores, for instance, if you show live scores and Jared Gordon looks up and he's down 2-0, does a fighter throw him the towel? Do they not even go back out? What's I mean, seriously? I mean, that's this, and that and that is in the case of like really bad decisions, but. No, I don't think it, I think it's better for the fighters to go for broke at all times, and I, I do. I think it's a sport killer. I do. All right, and then I'm gonna rope off three quick questions for you, and then we can wrap it up. Or if you got anything to say, um, is Ilya gonna be a champion in any time in his career? So I definitely think he has championship material. I also think we've never seen him tested. Um, you know, we said the same thing about Hamzat, but then he went in there and he was able to. Uh, you know, last a war with uh, Gilbert Burns, and he was able to pass that test. I think he's going to be a champion one day. Ilya Taporia, I think, is an absolute monster. I think he's so well-rounded. I think he beat Bryce at his own game. I think he pieced up Bryce. And Bryce is, you know, a legitimate top 10 in that weight class. So I could definitely see Ilya winning. He actually called for a title shot after that, but he was ranked 14th going into the fight, so he's not going to get a title fight. He's not a draw either, which unfortunately does weigh into these decisions about when someone becomes a champion. But um, I think he's got it in him. And if I had, if I was a betting man, I would, I would probably say yes. But that's a hesitant yes. Um, I agree. I think he has championship talent. Um, depending on what Volkanovski decides to do, whether he stays at featherweight, I think that'll have a lot to do with it. Um, he called for a fight with. He wants to fight Brian Ortega. I know he called for the title shot as well, but in the post-conference, he talked about fighting Brian Ortega. Um, I think he beats Brian Ortega, but then again, I thought Brian Ortega was going to lose fights before. I thought he was 
I thought he was going to lose to um, to uh, Frankie Edgar, and he went out there and knocked out Frankie Edgar, something that was very uncharacteristic for Brian Ortega up until that point. Um, but if I was a betting man, I would take Zipporah in that fight, and I think it would be something similar to what we saw with Matt Holloway against um, against uh, Ortega. Um, I think he gets starched on the feet, and I don't think he can take Zipporah down. Yeah, no. I, I, I have no idea. I, I would like to see him face an Arnold Allen type of guy, which Arnold Allen's on a win streak. I don't think he'll fight Ilya, but that would be a banger. I don't think anyone wants to fight Ilya. I think he might struggle to find a matchup. Maybe throw Dan Hooker to him again. You know, Dan dropped. Maybe see what he can do against Dan. You think Dan can hang in there? Well, Dan's at 155, is he not? Yeah, but he dropped and fought Arnold at 145. Remember, he got pieced. Dan Hooker dropped at 145. Yeah, he dropped at 145, fought, fought Arnold Allen. Because remember, he couldn't put it together at 155. And he was... Finally made weight. I think I'm pretty positive. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm talking out. Oh, this might just be me throwing you off too. But I'm pretty positive he fought uh, Dan Hooker versus Arnold Allen. Yeah, featherweight. He dropped featherweight. Wow, that's I. I don't know how that slipped my mind, but that's very impressive uh, that he was able to make that weight. Um, he'll do it again. I, don't think, he I think his last fight was at 155, so maybe that's why it's throwing me off. And I just think Dan Hooker's such a big person for that for the. Uh, lightweight division that I couldn't imagine him dropping the featherweight, but I think you're right about that. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't think Dan Hooker's going to come back down, but he's a lot bigger than Ilya, and the, the reach, I think Ilya, is only 5'7". Yeah. So, and Bryce Mitchell was 5'10", so he had the, the height and the length on him, but I do think that he has championship material. Um, time will tell. Um, I have not seen him Tested really yet because he's just blowing through everybody's spot. So short answer, he got material. We'll see what he's tested like. The potential's there. He can definitely do it. I just don't know what the timetable looks like. Who knows what kind of setbacks, if any, he could run into. All right, uh, two more quick questions. Hot take: Is Patty all hype? Um, I would say yes. Um, I. I think he spots just kind of average competition. I would include Jared Gordon in that average competition category. I think Jared Gordon won all three rounds of that fight. The majority of the country thought he won at least two rounds of that fight. Um, this is a guy who's lost fights before he came in the UFC, did not have a perfect record. Um, he had three losses in Cage, Cage Warriors. So, I mean, I, I don't think, no, I, I think he's, I think he's overhyped. Right now, but dude, if he wins another fight, ask me again. I might have a different answer for you. Yeah, as of now, I'm going to say all hype. I haven't been impressed with him at, at all, really. His striking hasn't impressed me. Uh, I think he, like you said, he's been fighting cans. Yeah. So, um, and Jared Gordon's the best opponent he's faced, and I thought Jared Gordon easily won that fight. Um, judges saw it differently. We've already discussed that, but I, as of right now, I'm leaning more on the overhyped uh, okay. bench. And then lastly, um, does Bryce bounce back or does he fall from here? Does he become like a Cowboy Cerrone that's kind of just a fan favorite? Or does he get back in the actual top ten title contention? So I want to say no. He's going to bounce back. Um, or I want to say yes, he's going to bounce back rather. But um, I think we saw Bryce's weakness um, fully exploited this fight. This guy cannot box. He cannot strike. It was what I was talking about earlier. Bryce doesn't have a single knockout in his career. His boxing looks super slow out there. His kicks look sloppy. I wasn't impressed with any form of striking. I think he just resorted to striking because he couldn't take him down. And if you can't take a fighter down and you're forced to box, and let's look at it this way. In the featherweight division, Bryce might be one of the worst boxers in that division. Yeah, in a division that's stacked full of boxers. Yeah. Holloway. Now, that does kind of home well to when he's doing good against like an Edson Barboza who does not defend takedowns very well. He looks great, but I mean, I think it's just kind of a matchup thing. If he's able to control a fighter on the ground, I think he wins. If he's having to stand up, I think he loses. And certainly he was exploited in the Kind of going back to what you were saying, I wonder where his head's at, where his focus at. I know he's in a new relationship. He's continuing to fight at the same small gym he's been at. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, shit on that gym or anything because, I mean, they have UFC fighter caliber 
caliber fighters in the UFC, and Bryce being the star of that bunch, and he's been great, but I don't know. This is one of those losses that makes you think because it was an absolute beatdown, and he was beaten at his own game. So, you know, that's quite a morale crusher right there. Um, I hope he takes off, like, at least five to six months before he tries to get back in there. Um, I do think he needs kind of a, a refocus, and he needs to work on his striking. Like, I would work on just striking um, through this next camp. I mean, the wrestling and this jiu-jitsu is always going to be back there. I don't think he's going to falter if he focuses mainly on boxing in those areas, but um, I do think he bounces back. I don't think he ever wins the belt. I agree. I think he'll he'll be around top 10 for a little bit. I think he can kind of hang on the fringe um, somewhere in the 11 to, or, or somewhere in like the 15 to 8 range for for quite a while, but... Never break top 5. I mean, there's... There's too many. And maybe, maybe, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about that first question, I mean, we think Ilya Taporia is a beast. So, maybe... Bryce just ran into somebody who's destined for the title. But also, I mean, you've got to improve your boxing. There's so much that Bryce can improve on, and we've only ever seen him wrestle and do crazy submissions, which is great. We love it. But, I mean, the the algorithm, the solution, the equation to beat him is there. And uh, every fighter is going to attempt to do that from here going forward. So it, it will be interesting to see. What he does, but if he doesn't make changes, I think the proof is in the pudding, and I think everybody's going to follow that blueprint that Ilya just set out. No, for sure. And lastly, for me, I think hot take, just random hot take. I think, uh, I think he beats Patty though. I think Bryce beats Patty any day, just because he's got wrestling. Patty really got much striking. Maybe he catches him, but I think he manhandled Patty. That's just hot take though, just to piss everybody off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel you. So, anyway, thank y'all for listening. Um, Please give a, go give Elliot Burgess a uh, listen on iTunes and Apple Music. He provides the tunes for the intro and outro. And uh, hopefully we will see you either Friday morning or we will see you next Tuesday. Hopefully Friday. We'll try to get together Thursday night and get a podcast done. Um, kind of going over the Cannoneer Strickland fight night coming up. And then we'll round out the end of the year with some fun shows. Um, just kind of some off-the-wall topic type shows since we don't have many cards to talk about. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Coming around here ain't easy for me It's been so hard around here since you were leaving It's been so tough on me to watch you